welcome to the Scam Economy with your host, Matt Bender. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Scam Economy, and on this episode of the show, I, your host, Matt Binder, will be taking you all on a trip down to Miami for the Bitcoin 2022 conference, where you will hear how Bitcoin is the future and will solve and fix everything. And you will also discover that, in fact, the Bitcoin bull has no balls. And I mean that literally as well, because they actually did unveil a giant bull that's meant to rival the Wall Street bull down at the New York Stock Exchange. And they, I guess, forgot to give the Miami Bitcoin bull, a pair of balls. Very telling. My guest on this episode of Scam Economy attended all four days of the conference and took his Bitcoin investing dad. So it'll be a really interesting episode where you get to live the Bitcoin 2022 conference via my guest's own experience and also find out how someone who is bullish <laughs> on Bitcoin, felt about the whole thing too. But first, ScamEconomy.com is where you can find all the links to where you can find this show online. Be sure to tell people about Scam Economy if you like what you hear. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Binder and the show on Twitter at Scam Economy. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder to support this show by becoming a patron subscriber. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash Matt Binder. On Twitch at twitch.tv slash Matt Binder. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify if you can. Folks, it is time to put on your sunglasses. Apply that sunscreen because we are now about to hit the beaches of Miami. And joining me now to discuss the Bitcoin Conference 2022 in my, it was from Miami, live yeah. in Miami. I mean, you're not live there now, but you were <laughs> live there. You spent four days there. Ryan Broderick, he's a freelance writer and he publishes the Garbage Day newsletter at garbageday.email, right? That's right. So people ah. don't forget that it's you can you can email subscribe but right, also... right before right before we recorded i told you how <laughs> i uh, i physically go to the web address of all the sub stacks i read instead of you know being uh really making things simpler for me i guess you can say by just getting them sent to my email but ryan thank you so much for joining me uh, thank you for being here i'm excited to talk about my favorite place in the world miami florida and my favorite technology on earth bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> Now, here's the thing, uh, you know, I, we, I mean, we should probably talk about your experience first. So, you know, people who listen to Scam Economy can get to know Ryan Broderick because there's another very fun, I guess, uh, topic we have to talk about involving uh, your dad and cryptocurrency. That's but, right. you know, it's not going to mean as much if we don't if we don't know Ryan. So, sure. Ryan, you uh, you went down to uh, Miami. I'm assuming down. I'm assuming you're not from uh, lower than Miami in Florida. <laughs> I am not. No, yeah. I went down to Miami. It was my third time there. It is uh, the crypto capital of America. You know, that's – it's a really weird – it's a weird place, man. It's a really weird place full of very insane people. Yeah. Right. Their, their, their mayor, uh, Francis Suarez – Yes. Uh, the mayor of Miami, he is full on like fully on board with cryptocurrency and like like you said, turning Miami into the crypto capital. You know, they probably already are. Um, I mean, there was a there was a quote that I actually pulled that he said when he was on stage there, how we must integrate Bitcoin into every aspect and fabric of society. We need to make sure that you can go into a convenience store and buy a Snickers with a Satoshi. We need to integrate Bitcoin into every aspect of our society, every part of the fabric of our society. 
Right. I mean, I, I wanted to ease people into this, but we're talking about it now. And I just can't get over how, I don't know, weird and cult-like that sounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so he's definitely all in. Uh, he's taking his public servant salary entirely in Bitcoin. He's also a lawyer. So the 90, I think it's, I looked at something the other day, he's making like around $90,000 as a mayor. And all of that's coming in via Bitcoin. So obviously... He's very excited about other people buying into Bitcoin. Right. Um, right. And, and we're not going to talk yeah. about this here, but he also uh, is a proponent of a altcoin called Miami Coin, which is the city's own cryptocurrency that, uh, from what I last read a couple of weeks ago, the uh, locals who invested in it early on, uh, when it like was getting all the press, uh, they're, they're not ahead so much anymore. But that's another podcast for another day. Yeah, you know, they, they it is not worth a lot of money anymore, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to put it simply. So you head to Miami, yeah. and you're at you're you're attending Bitcoin Conference 2022. Now, how did this? How did how did you end up there? Did you go down to cover this for your newsletter? Which, for people who are unfamiliar, it's a you know it's a fairly popular uh, newsletter that basically breaks down what's going on in the wacky world of the internet every day. And I mean. You, you're ahead on a lot of the things. I got to give you credit there for sure. Um, so did you go down there to uh, cover this for your newsletter? Yeah. So I've been I've been looking for opportunities to take Garbage Day on the road. Uh, and I, I've i been covering crypto for about a year and a half pretty probably now. Um, and so I saw it pop up and I, I applied for a press pass through Garbage Day. And, and, and when I do that, I'm always like, you know what, let's – Will they give my newsletter a press pass? And luckily they did for me. So I, I was able to go. And then I, um, th- I I reached out to an editor I knew and sold like a couple freelance pieces just to see what I see how much I could produce down there. But it was mainly for Garbage Day because I I think that there's a lot of need right now to, to like interface with crypto people in real life because – the Twitter side of it is so insane that I, I, I it kind of reminds me of like 2014 when you would like you would I would go to furry uh, furry and brony conventions and like try to understand those people because like the Internet is such a distorting thing. I want to meet the actual people who are buying and selling crypto. So for that, this was pretty useful, I think. Right. And uh, you could tell the truth, Ryan, you, you got the press pass by saying you were there to solely promote and talk about how Bitcoin is going to save the world. Well, yeah, I mean, I just think Bitcoin can fix it. Uh, I did learn that like a core tenant of Bitcoin true believers is that Bitcoin will stop all war on Earth. I, I learned that last week, which was interesting. Yes, let's let's get into that. So you're 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 at uh, the Bitcoin conference. You 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 know, it's four day long event that happened yeah. started what last Wednesday and it ended on this past Saturday. Um, and you know, this is an event that. Really, you know, when we talk about the crypto world and especially on this podcast, like I've done a couple of Bitcoin episodes uh, on the few, you know, this is only episode 11 of Scam Economy, but I've done a few Bitcoin episodes. But for the vast majority of like the crypto sphere, like the industry, the space, like what people are are creating, you know, Bitcoin is pretty much solely, uh, you know, this this item, this speculative asset that is meant to be bought and held for number to go up and for you to cash in when it gets to, I guess, whatever amount you are done hodling at and you sell and make a tidy little profit. I mean, that's the the best case scenario that these people are talking about. But there's no like um, like ecosystem around Bitcoin like there is for Ethereum, for example, where right. you know there are apps and NFTs. And various different sort of um, uh, things that you can create on the Ethereum blockchain that sort of broadens, I guess, Ethereum's horizons. And I want to say in advance that I'm not promoting either, not saying which one is good or bad, uh, neither but are good. But uh, that's just the reality of what Ethereum is to the crypto world and what Bitcoin is to the crypto world. Yeah, I uh, so. Like I said, I've been writing about it for a while and I've interviewed a lot of people in like, let's call it the Web3 blockchain space. And up until last week, I really did not understand how much Bitcoin people hate Ethereum, which I was told is for the woke, which I did not realize. 
Um, I was told that Ethereum is for people with purple hair and pronouns, which was wild because I guess Bitcoin people don't have pronouns. Um, they also like Bitcoiners, they, they don't have a culture. They don't really have a unifying thing that they can really talk about, which meant that like a lot of the conversations I had, you know, the first, second, third round of, of, of dialogue back and forth. Okay, fine. But then you reach a point where you're just sort of talking in circles because there's nothing really to talk about because Bitcoin is just gold for these people. Right. Um, would you would they, you say yeah. that one that one thing that does sort of unite the hardcore uh, Bitcoiners that almost uh, you know that was almost a tongue twister for me hardcore Bitcoiners yeah. um, is you know the ideological aspects uh, libertarianism for example. Sort of, but it's not what you th- – it's not what I thought. So I use the term Bitcoin maximalists because it's a little easier for me to say. Uh, but so and I, Or Bitcoin evangelists. But let, let, let's, let's talk about those people because I think that their thing is fascinating uh, because they're kind of cagey about talking about it until like, they all get together. And then they don't care. They just talk about it openly, which is – so Bitcoin maximalists are waiting for a moment that they call hyper-Bitcoinization. And they talk about it pretty regularly. They're like, Bitcoin, hyper, hyper-Bitcoinization is going to happen. And when that happens, like we're all going to be millionaires. And what that refers to is like a, a moment in the future, kind of like the rapture or like QAnon <laughs> storm, right. where they believe that Bitcoin will replace all currency on Earth and that they will become the most powerful people on Earth because they're the ones who are hoarding it. And their plan is to then rent their Bitcoins or Satoshis, which is an increment of Bitcoin, out to people who did not get on the train early. So you kind of want to live like barons or like feudal lords or like, uh, I don't know, like like casinos in a failed state. Like they want to be these like warlords in the future. And they're doing this because they believe – that all war and all like governments and all banks are supported by the ability to print more money. So they believe that if by if they by investing in a money that is finite and scarce again, uh, like gold, they can create world peace and become millionaires in the future. And they talk about it all the time. And then they also talk about how if you do that, you will secure what they call generational wealth so that you can like – Basically, be like the rich family from Neuromancer, if you've ever read that book. Like, like the like millionaires in space who just like have money forever. That's what they're kind of dreaming about, and and kind of talking pretty openly about it up on stage last week. Right, right. And you know, you you brought up how they're just hoarding this, and the first person I think of, um, and I, I believe he was there. I mean, he's usually at these events. Is uh, Michael Saylor uh, yeah. of Micro Strategies, who basically has turned what was once. A software company, you know, they're traded on the stock market into basically they are simply a company that buys Bitcoin now. Um, He's taken out loans and investments and raised money to simply turn around and use that to buy Bitcoin. I recently saw that he took out uh, a loan on his current Bitcoin holdings to then buy more Bitcoin on I mean, the idea here, like you said, is just to obtain as much Bitcoin as humanly possible and then just hold for that, you know, strike it rich oil, you know, striking oil moment, I guess. Yeah. And they're also already beginning to experiment with how this will work in the future in developing countries particularly in those developing countries' housing markets, which they talk a lot – they talked a lot about last week, and I found this very upsetting. So they were having like panel after panel after panel about like 3D printing homes in El Salvador or Senegal or Ghana and using Bitcoin to pay workers, to, to pay for the houses, to, to sort of create these like Bitcoin-based housing bubbles – in countries that they can manipulate with their 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 gains right now. And you can kind of see the wheels spinning in their heads of like, okay, like I, eventually in the future I can do this to like my entire neighborhood in Arizona. You know, like they 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 want to be able they're they're test driving the future now. And I think that it I came away I went into the conference kind of thinking these people were freaks or at least like eccentrics and and thinking like okay, it's an internet subculture. And I walked away 
convinced they're they're eccentrics, but I now take them much more seriously than I used to, and I I'm 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 slightly terrified of them to be honest. <laughs> right, I mean, some of them on paper uh, or on their screens are already very very wealthy from their Bitcoin holdings, and again, these are people who had a lot of money to begin with. Um, but probably weren't in the uh, upper echelon of where, you know, the old financial industry, like, you know, the Goldman Sachs CEOs of the world. Like, but that's what they want to be. Like, that's one of the things that always um, strikes me when, um, you know, retail investors, you know, the everyday average person who gets sold on this stuff, they, they, are, they, they buy the line that this is going to you know, be the great uh, wealth redistribution right here, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin being one of them, and interestingly enough, you know, Bitcoin maxis, uh, maximalists uh, do not consider Bitcoin to be crypto. Like they actually get angry, uh, some of them, when you call Bitcoin cryptocurrency. I've actually had uh, a few people who are Bitcoin maxis call into the post show I do live uh, after this episode airs. Uh, or these episodes, I have to say, because this particular one hasn't aired yet. Um, and they are like, you know, Bitcoin isn't crypto. I agree with you. Crypto is is not good. Cryptocurrency is a scam. Bitcoin is not crypto, however. It's very interesting how they, they wrap their <laughs> – they make that yeah. make sense for themselves. And I heard one guy say that the only cryptocurrency is Bitcoin and that Ethereum is technology. Uh-huh. So they, they love they, – they're and that that is also like a really fascinating – thing about the Bitcoin community is that there really isn't a Bitcoin community. There's not really much of a consensus. There's just like amorphous thought blobs within this group of people. And they, they don't really agree on much other than hoarding Bitcoin. Um, and what I think is really fascinating, and I know that this sort of touches on work that you've done over the years too, but I find the pattern of what's happening in Bitcoin and the greater finance world almost identical to like 4chan thought infecting yes. democracy. And and it, it is sort of beginning to sketch out this thing where, you know, I think a lot of people have wanted to feel good about the idea that like, oh, it was Facebook that radicalized us, but the internet's fine. And it's like, no, there there is sort of this pattern where the internet opens up all of this thought and all of this like um, ideology and all of these ways of rethinking the world and reshaping it. And usually the early adopters are like a bunch of dudes who like want to reshape the world in a bad way. <laughs> right. Um, right. It's, which, it's, it's yeah. not that they want to make things better for everybody. You see, I mean, this is the, the, the regular, uh, interaction I have with a lot of, uh, crypto people, not just even Bitcoiners, just, you know, why do you believe in this? Um, because it's made me a lot of money. Right. I mean, but but you're you're selling it to others as this is going to be the great equalizer. This is going to take from the, the big banks and, you know, that old school money, the establishment that's held everybody down and it's going to redistribute that. But you're telling me you like it because it's just made you money. Um, I mean, th- something's not connecting here because also for you to make money. Uh, inherently, being that there's no product being sold and no labor, it's just literally a speculative asset. For you to make money, that means somebody's got to lose money. And the people losing money are not going to be, you know, the rich, wealthy people who are already pouring into this. It's going to be other retail investors. Yeah. In fact, like, it was really funny. I, on the walk back from the conference one day, I had to sort of like talk out this thought because just to like wrap my head around it because all day long they're talking about the value of bitcoin the value of bitcoin you know it's such a good thing you can pay all this stuff with it and i was like wait but the value of bitcoin is just the dollar because nothing there are no goods or services or labor that are like you couldn't tell me how much a cheeseburger is worth in bitcoin because that it doesn't exist right right so like you know because the the person who made the bitcoin i'm sorry the person who made the burger is being paid in a dollar. The the meat is being sold a, and exported for dollars. All of it is dollars or some other currency. And so they sit around all day at this conference, like talking about the magic of Bitcoin. And it's like, it's just Venmo. Like there until until Bitcoin overwhelms the market, and you can finally tell me how many satoshis a hamburger is worth. It's just it's just Venmo, but you're you're collecting like reward points like that's all this really is at this point right right and they're having a whole entire conference uh on it where they've convinced a mayor of a major city to integrate it into every aspect of culture 
Um, uh, you know, Republican uh, U.S. Senator uh, Cindy Loomis. I saw she was there too. Uh, she had another quote uh, that was just as baffling. I mean, I mean not baffling because I know she's a a, a full blown uh, crypto person because of uh, shocker to everybody. Big surprise! I'm about to blow your minds. Uh, she's invested in it. Um, right. She uh, said that Bitcoin is saving lives. What a force for good it is. How it's so important for freedom. Bitcoin gave them the ability to fight back, to save lives. Uh, This is actually on par to what we were just talking about at the very beginning when we first started, where you said that you heard people say, hey, no, Bitcoin's going to, you know, bring us world peace. On the previous uh, last week's episode of Scam Economy, I did uh, I I covered that. I don't know if you saw that story where Exxon was basically saying that they were getting into Bitcoin mining. And in doing so, they were no longer flaring gas, which is harmful to the environment, and instead taking that excess gas and mining Bitcoin with it. Um, And Bitcoiners took that to mean that Bitcoin is literally going to save the earth and, and, and save us all from climate change, which, again, another spoiler alert, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Also, what's really funny is I had a guy at the conference, like, mildly yell at me for, for asking him about the, uh, the still upcoming Ethereum merge where Ethereum would no longer have the amount of environmental impact. Uh, I, I'll, I'll spare your listeners a proof of uh, stake versus proof of work explanation. But basically, I asked him about it. I said, like, oh, would there ever be a world where Bitcoin would have less of an energy impact? And this guy who sells mining units actually got really, really intense about how – but he, he, he rattled off this thing that I then heard elsewhere throughout the conference, which was that he was like, no, like you don't get it. Without the, ener- without the energy consumption, Bitcoin doesn't have any value. Hmm. He's like, I truly believe – that like that is the value. And he's like, if there's no energy consumption, it would be worthless. He's like, we have to consume more energy while producing Bitcoin. And I was like, wow, you're you're like maybe the most evil person I've ever talked to. Right. And he that was like, is, very serious about this. That is so telling. I mean I, I mean, I said this last week, you know, the idea that, you know, the the whole world has pretty much moved forward just in terms of like learning how serious of a you know, catastrophe we're headed towards when it comes to the climate uh, changing. And I feel like, you know, obviously the moves being made are far, you know, away from being big enough. But, you know, the world as a whole has sort of come to realization that, you know, even if they're not doing it, they've at least come to realization that something's got to be done. And here we have this technology that uh, people like uh, a senator and a mayor of one of the biggest you know, cities in the country are saying this needs to be integrated into every fabric of society, uh, you know, bringing us in the opposite direction. It's like, what's, what's going on here? And then you have what you just heard from someone who literally sells mining rigs, which are the energy consumption aspect of Bitcoin. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's baffling to me how, how it's gotten to this point and no one even in that world because there's got to be some people uh at the very least who showed up at that conference heard this stuff and was like wait a minute am i the baddie here like like <laughs> it's, it's gotta so, be that moment did sort of happen which huh? was hilariously during a jordan b peterson panel um so jordan b peterson my favorite uh writer and thinker my favorite youtuber uh, i'm kidding um <laughs> So Jordan B. Peterson spoke on stage. Do you clean your room now because of uh, Jordan Peterson? I I need to. I need to clean my room, and Jordan B. Peterson is going to help me do it. Um, He came on stage, and he, you know, he was like, "Well, you be God bloody well, be careful when your experiment." He was basically just like, kind of scolding the Bitcoin audience and telling them that the gold standard didn't destroy the like when we went off the gold standard he was like it was fine which kind of made people pissed in the audience and then he he basically was like as a social scientist i am scared if your experiment succeeds and you you destroy the global financial status quo and he's like because there's no way that that will be the utopian idea that you have in your head it will be disastrous 
Um, mm. And he said this like on stage on the on the the Satoshi Nakamoto stage, uh, which is the main stage of this event. And the crowd got really uncomfortable. And I, and I, I think partly it was Bitcoin Maxis being like shut up. But I think a lot, like I think the majority of the audience at this conference were not Maxis. I think they were just like nor like there a lot of them. The ones I spoke to were just like normal people. And right. I think like listening to Jordan B. Peterson kind of walk them through the logic of what they're doing made them be like, oh, wait, like, so there's like going to be no running water if I succeed? Like, wait, so there will be like no sidewalks or like I won't like I'll have to, like you're telling me like I'll just like live in like the walking dead if, if this works. And like right. you could kind of see them like, I you know, you could kind of see people be like, wait, like, but I like having like some public like there's no parks like what, what do you mean how does this work and like i thought that was kind of funny to sort of anti-orange pill the crowd a little bit I, and and maybe have them slightly reflect on like what it is they're 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 trying to do they're trying to accomplish so uh, it was that it was that realization of what you said earlier where like the whales the bitcoin whales who hoard the most bitcoin are hoping that you know they're basically living off of you know the the digital currency loans uh, that they're giving to everybody else and, you know, sitting back on the beach and, you know, ordering people around while they uh, pay for the private service. The, the services that they've, with Bitcoin becoming the default, have privatized for basically their own personal uses. Yeah, like, like so uh, there, yeah, there was one, like, very troubling panel I sat through um, where they were sort of outlining, like, what life would be like in this sort of, like, future that if they succeed. And... It was like a world where, you know, your compound in Tucson is working for a privatized firm that provides your services based in Houston. And you can live in your condominium that you like run like a robber baron. And like you ever see the really bad sequel to the Dawn of the Dead movies, Land of the Dead? Yes. And I, I, I did enjoy it because I'm a big George Romero fan. But yes, not as good me, as the original three. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm on the same page. But like the idea in this movie for your listeners who haven't seen it, like in the zombie apocalypse, like everyone lives in a mall owned by like a, a millionaire and all of their services are like determined by this guy. That's basically what these people want. Like they want like the the thing from the expanse where like the space colonies have to pay for air. Like they mm -hmm. like like these people really want that. And then like the the normal people at this conference are just like I'm I'm just trying to like make a little money. <laughs> like I'm not like I'm not a like an insane person. And I I really believe that like the majority of these people aren't insane actually. Right. So so they're pretty much there for the, you know, you hear this all the time, but this is more of an Ethereum thing. But maybe it exists for Bitcoin, too. They're just there because, you know, they, they want to socialize with somebody and they feel like they needed to buy into a community, which is so it's a, such a bizarre thing to me. Like if you need to, you know, th I mean, maybe that's why Jordan Peterson appeals to them, too, because they're sort of lost in life where they feel the need to have to buy in to be part of a community. They can't find a community that just accepts them for free like no like just takes them for who they are and not for their investment because you know that's where the uh you know that's where the like the mlm scam comes in i think that's a huge part of it like like especially around the city at night there were all kinds of like little pop-up parties happening with people who you know they'd clearly do the like we've been friends for discord on a year but i've never met in person kind of like greetings to each other you know like the do we hug do we handshake do we like it was very awkward to watch and you could kind of get the sense that a lot of these dudes especially the younger men you know in their like early 20s you know they, they may have gone into the pandemic as teenagers and they've come out as just like insanely weird adults and they're like well okay like i'm a bitcoin person because like they were there and I could pay a little bit of money and now I'm part of it. And, and I think that is a very real thing. I do. Right. No, absolutely. Cause you ever go into these like crypto, like discord channels. And like, if you're in a, a regular discord channel where people like come together without any, like having to buy into an investment of some sort, you know, you talk about your interest, this movie that, you know, uh, a book you read, uh, you know, a, a TV show you watch, politics, whatever you're you're all into that, like, brought you guys together. Uh, but if you go into one of these, like, crypto discords, and obviously this is not Bitcoin only here, but you go into one of these crypto discords and it's all just people constantly trying to sell you their their, like, crypto NFT project or whatever it is, trying to get you to invest. Yeah. It's like, that's not, that's... 
that's not what that's not what friends are for. It's 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 really a bummer. <laughs> it's just like really really a bummer. And I, I you know I wanna I wanna be. I want to be nice to these people because like they're honestly the ones I talked to you, I, I didn't e- even when I would go to them and be like, hey, like I'm a journalist. Ooh, hey, I'm a crypto skeptic. Ooh, you know, like two strikes against me. And still they like they wanted to talk about it. And I kind of got the impression that they wanted to hear the other side of it because they're not like there's not it's, I sort of thought I'd be like walking into like CPAC. And instead it was like I walked into like a bunch of people who are sort of like dreamy eyed about the future and they're willing to kind of debate it because like they really like to talk about it and they're really down to say like, okay, well, why wouldn't that work? And you're like, okay, okay, well, let's talk, let's talk this through. And they, they will. And so maybe that is also tied to the fact that like, they're just looking for friends. And so it's like, okay, like, cool. Like I'll debate you about Bitcoin because I don't have anything else to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's good, though. I mean, because, you know, they're they're reachable. You know, if, if you walked into CPAC, you would probably be like these people are way too deep because uh, there are like, you know, there are are, are you know, multiple. I, th- I think there's a couple of types of people who would go to a Bitcoin conference. And like you said, uh, you know, there are the maxis who are probably never going to. I mean, Bitcoin could, you know, completely go down to like a buck ninety five and they would still be sitting there saying this is it. No, this is where, where you know, I'm, I'm holding. Um, but then, you know, there are people who were, were sold, you know, the unicorns and rainbows of, you know, getting out of the shit system that they're currently stuck living in. And they're going to maybe hopefully come to the realization that this is probably not it. Uh, so who was who there other than like the. Uh, the maxis in terms of like celebrities, because, you know, we, we've seen, especially over this past summer, um, you know, the summer of 2021 was like the summer of celebrities and influencers and c- celebrities are still going strong with the NFTs. But we had like the summer of influencers hawking shit coins, which, again, not a Bitcoin thing. That's usually on Ethereum's blockchain. Um, but, you know, I was looking at the the guest list, and along with like the Jordan Petersons, there were some other uh, celebrities. You know, like uh, uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Yeah, uh, he was he was there like most of he. I, I saw him walking around a lot. He's very small in real life, which I was surprised by. Um, but the 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 kind of celebrities that come to a Bitcoin convention are not. I would I did not find it exciting. Um, I I thought I think NFTs and Ethereum have sort of cornered the market on the star power. But you had Aaron Rodgers, you had Serena Williams, you had Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they're you, they're huge stars in the sport, you know, sports world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're big. Aaron Rodgers is like very into Bitcoin. Yeah, Dave Portnoy was there. Uh, he left early to go to the Ma- the PGA Masters, and and that made everybody angry. <laughs> but he was there briefly. Um, he ditched one of his own panels, right? He like did. He-, he didn't even show up, and then everyone booed him. And they said, fuck you, Dave, on stage. It was like a whole thing. Uh, but he was – He knows he was probably, the future. Yeah, but he probably was the superstar of the event. Like people like people were following him around, taking selfies with him. It was – he was huge. And then Jordan B. Peterson had a standing ovation, which was the only one that I saw that the, last week. Um, and then Peter they had Thiel like – Peter Thiel I saw was there. Peter Thiel. They had, some big, they had some big finance people. Uh, they had the third richest man in Mexico – Kind of a name, I suppose. Uh, uh, who else? Like, um, isn't that the, isn't that one of the types of guys though that Bitcoin is supposed to be taking down? Isn't that odd? Well, he uh, he had a lot of like he had a lot of things to say about how Bitcoin could fix inflation, and he that you should trust him because he's from Mexico, where printing money has destroyed his country. So Bitcoin would definitely fix that. Yeah, uh, I don't think I can believe him totally uh, yeah. uh but there was there was a lot of like podcasters there uh there was i went to a memer panel which was like all of the big mick uh, all of the big like shit posting officers for various fintech companies uh including the guy who came up with the laser eyes meme uh that was unbear- that was unbearable that was like an unbearable 30 you, minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Were you right. sweating when you saw him? Did, you know, was your hand shaking? Mr. Uh, laser eye guy, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> well, what was so funny is that like, you know, like you sort of think like, okay, like Bitcoin convention, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be weird. Like, let's go. And the whole week it was just like, oh, right. Like 
all of the crazy fun stuff about crypto is not Bitcoin. There's there was one person dressed up like a board ape. Uh, and they hate board apes. In fact, there was a plane that flew over Miami at one point. I saw it on my window, and it was a plane holding a banner that said "fuck board apes." Um, wow. Yeah. So like, like someone paid for that. <laughs> yeah. No, people are like not into any of that stuff. And so what you're left with is a lot of people ranting about cancel culture. A lot of people talking about like kind of cringe memes that like aren't very cool anymore. And then like a bunch of like athletes shilling their Bitcoin stuff and. Uh, Jordan B. Peterson. That, you know, that the, was kind of the whole thing. The athlete thing, I'm, I'm pulling up your Fast Company piece here, and everyone should go check it out. It's called Bitcoin Struggles to Find Its Star Power in Miami. And judging by the uh, the cast of characters you mentioned, it seems like that is the case. But the the, the three biggest stars, in my opinion, uh, you know, the, the you know Odell Beckham Jr., Serena Williams, Aaron Rodgers, they were on a panel together, and you wrote that all three of them agreed that Bitcoin was the future, and they were talking about how they thought it was a good long-term investment and how it gave them more financial freedom. And when I read that from you, I'm sitting there thinking, Bitcoin isn't what gave these three huge sports megastars financial freedom. It's the fact that they're elite athlete multimillionaires and they, they could just throw their money away into Bitcoin. It could completely fail and it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even cost them one of their homes. You know what yeah, I mean? In, like, in fact, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., I was reading about this. He, he, I, from what I understand, he got convinced by Aaron Rodgers to take his salary in Bitcoin. Aaron Rodgers didn't take his full salary, but Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. did, and he lost a lot of money by doing that. <laughs> and he seemed a little pissed on stage whenever it would come up, so that kind of explains it. But there was definitely a, there was definitely a lot of rich people trying to convince less rich people to buy into Bitcoin. That was definitely a thing. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't totally say that this was like a, a case of like millionaires preying on the working class because like, keep in mind, this, co this cost $1,000 to go to. Right. So if you have $1,000, and, and most people are not from Miami. So if you have $1,000 to travel to Miami to go to a Bitcoin conference, like you, you're probably not like, you're probably not scraping by and putting all of your money into Bitcoin. I, right. I would, I would assume. Right. But, you know, but when you say a thousand dollars, you're talking USD. So I mean, when well, you when you, you when get you a discount, you would get a discount. You you could pay seven hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Ah, uh, or more accurately, probably Satoshi's because. <laughs> right. Which I thought was really funny that like they were because even on the website they're like a thousand dollars USD or seven hundred dollars USD in Bitcoin, and I was like. Well, if Bitcoin has value, why are you telling me it's $700 in Bitcoin? Why wouldn't you just give me the Satoshi amount, and why wouldn't I know what that meant? Because Bitcoin doesn't have any value. That's why. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I went through this all week where I was just like, nothing you guys are saying makes any sense because the thing that you care about doesn't have any value, which is not a problem, but it sort of undermines all of their big talk about it, I think. Right. Also, it's, it is very odd that they needed to convince Bitcoiners to spend their Bitcoin well, by offering them a discount. It's because Bitcoin is for holding and cash is for spending. That's what everyone says. Right. Um, and of course, that's also how currencies work. We all just hold our course. currencies. We don't ever spend it. And that's how the economy keeps on rolling on, you know? Things are usually very good in an economy if no one is spending their money for fear that it might be more valuable in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just it's the world Satoshi wanted. That's how you know you're you're good. Um, but I will say I feel like and maybe this is a natural transition for you. I don't know. But I will say a lot of my humanist approach to this community is because of my dad who was there with me last week. That's exactly what I was going to next. Good to know. We got mind meld going on <laughs> yeah. here. Um, I'm going to assume um, you could correct me if I'm wrong. And if I am. Uh, we need to talk afterwards about other things. I'm assuming your dad is not one of the mega wealthy people who showed up at this Bitcoin conference. <laughs> he is not. No, he uh, he grew up in a working class area outside of Boston. He uh, he worked for a local courthouse until he retired. Um, he normal guy, I would say, like normal guy from the Boston area. You could picture in your head. Uh, he he wanted. OK, so this here's how the story goes. In 2010, I and a friend mined like eight to 10 Bitcoins from our computer. 
Because back in those days, you could hook up a software, your graphics card would run, it would take a little longer to start up your computer, and voila, you'd have a Bitcoin. And I got them while I was working at Vice Magazine, and I wrote a story about the Silk Road and trying to use Bitcoin. Um, and then we put them in Mt. Gox, and Mt. Gox was hacked dozens and dozens of times over the years. So unfortunately, I am not. Uh, a Bitcoin billionaire. We lost those. We lost those. Not, not to go off on a tangent here, because this again is a whole episode on its own. But you know, that's one of those things that really sort of irks me when you hear from the current Bitcoin uh, maxis, you know, the advocates, the hardcore Bitcoiners, about how like, oh, you know, if we all just bought early, like back in those early days, we'd all be super rich now. And anyone who knew about it then and didn't buy in is just angry that they didn't buy in. The, the reality is that if you did get in early, there's a good chance you lost it to no fault of your own when Mt. Gox went under. Yeah, there was basically like no way to store this stuff. And even if it did like, I guess like what, like $40,000 times eight, like I wouldn't be a millionaire, you know, so I can, I can kind of sleep easy at night. But throughout the years, my dad would kept saying to me like, hey, like you should buy Bitcoin, you should buy Bitcoin. And when you are a working journalist for companies, you typically cannot own Bitcoin. Most companies don't let you do it. So every time it's like, you can buy Bitcoin. I can't buy any Bitcoin. You, you could do what you want as long as you don't put yourself in financial jeopardy, but I can't do it. So he retired in uh, uh, right during the pandemic, right before the pandemic, and then was bored and downloaded Coinbase. I think he had heard about Coinbase through Robinhood. Can I ask you what made him tell you prior to that to invest in Bitcoin? Like what was, how did he find out about it to make you, like, like to come to you, I should say, and say, hey, you should, you should buy some Bitcoin? Well, he, he's always been like a guy who's interested in, like he used to buy like old houses and flip them up. He used to run like an antique store. He's always had like little schemes and side projects. And he like I mean, he, 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 he will admit he's a man who enjoys a good pyramid scheme because he thinks he can get out on top. Right. And like, you know what? What, fine. what? If you don't mind me asking, if you don't want to tell me his exact age, what age range is he in? Oh, no, he's, he's in his early 70s. Um, okay. And so he he watches a lot of Fox Business. And during the pandemic, there's like not a lot to do. So he because my family is from the Boston area, Barstool Sports is an unfortunately big presence in our in our family group chat. Um, so he I, I believe he got pulled in via Barstool Sports via Dave Portnoy's Bitcoin trading live streams. So during the pandemic, everyone in the Boston area sort of talking about Dave Portnoy trading Bitcoin because like he's like a big deal around here. My family lives like in the town that's a rival with the town that Dave Portnoy grew up in. So it's like a whole thing. Um, so I think my dad learned about it like through those various channels. He watches a lot of Fox Business. He's on Facebook a lot. He's on the internet. Uh, and he had kind of been following Bitcoin for a long time. And then I think he finally decided, okay, I'm going to buy some. Um, and he, he made some money like, cause he bought in right before the right before the bull market, but I don't know where he is anymore. I just checked to make sure it's not his entire retirement savings. You know, I just want to make sure he's not going to like have no money. So he's okay. Um, but when he started doing that, I started reporting on it as a sort of a way to learn as much as possible about what he was doing. Um, and so when I got the press pass, for uh, the Bitcoin convention, I was like, you should come down to Miami with me. We have friends who live down there. Uh, and we just spent the week like walking around, talking to Bitcoin people. And I think it was like a real education for him on the culture side of it because he had never, ever met other Bitcoiners. Right. That's really interesting. And I'm going to well, I want to I want to know what he thought in just a second. But I also want to mention before I forget, it was really interesting how you said like you had to watch over him because, you know, typically you know, um, he seems like he's if he's savvy enough to get into crypto in his you know seventies, he's not someone who obviously like you need to watch over because they're not in their right state of mind. Uh, so you know, uh, that's not why you're watching over him. What you're watching over him for is much more analogous to what you hear from like the children of like the boomer aged people who got into QAnon. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that was really interesting to me when you explained it because. That's what I thought about. Like they had to make sure that like they weren't falling too deep down the rabbit hole whenever they went to their home. You you know they they say how they would like you know block certain websites without letting them know about it. Yeah, for him it was more about security stuff. So like 
I, I walked him through how to get, so I don't know, I don't know what your listeners know about this sort of thing, but like if you buy crypto coins on Robinhood, they're not actually crypto coins. You're basically buying like futures that like an IOU essentially, and Robinhood won't give, you can't transfer them or do anything with them. So I walked him through like, okay, sell all your Bitcoin on Robinhood and let's immediately buy the, the equivalent amount over on something that's more secure where you can actually own it, Coinbase. And then I was like, okay, let's stop using Coinbase because Coinbase, and, and this has actually been really a really great education for me to learn about this stuff. So like Coinbase is fascinating where you're not doing trades with another person or another group of people, you're paying Coinbase a spread, they're giving you an aggregate price that doesn't update per second, and then like taking a cut out of that. Oh yeah, yeah, they don't, I, I don't think most people know that either. That's a great point that you made. I, you know, it's it's um, really, because all, all the exchanges do that. Um, some take less of a cut than others, and people who are like hardcore into crypto actually base what exchange, uh, what, you know, what uh, exchange they become a customer of based on who has the lowest uh, spread price. Right. And so if you like if, if you want to do like direct trading, uh, Coinbase Pro, which is like a much more complicated system, that's where you do that. So like I spent like a couple weeks like learning how to use Coinbase Pro and then like walked him through it. And it's a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, OK, like. I know you love to check your portfolio, but like, don't do it when you're on a public Wi-Fi network, <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that. And I, cause I, I sort of approach it like the responsible gun owner where it's like, it's like, look, if you want a gun in a safe in your house, like it makes me uncomfortable, obviously I don't want to be around it, but I also don't want it going off and hurting people or like you losing it or something. Um, so I, and, and then it ended up like feeding back into a lot of the work I was doing where I was learning like, Wait, like, cause a lot of, I think a lot of crypto people sort of just like haven't questioned stuff because it's been building so quickly that they're just like, yeah, of course this is the way it works. And it's kind of been nice from a journalism standpoint to be like, wait, but why are you doing this? Like, wh why are, how does this work? Or like, why aren't you questioning who bought this NFT and why it almost certainly was Justin Bieber buying his own, you know, like, right. why are you not talking about this stuff? Because the one thing that I agree with the, the Bitcoin people on is they need better critics. They need people who understand this technology as good as they do to criticize it. And I think that like a lot of the knee jerk reactionary stuff from like anti crypto people is getting in the way of them being like, wait, I would have much more ammo for this argument if I understood how stupid this was. Right. So 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 what did your dad think of this whole you know industry that he's investing in after heading down to Miami with you. I mean, uh, maybe he thought it was fantastic because it brought him uh, to beautiful Miami with his son. And what a what a wonderful thing to remember. Uh, but other than that, what does he think of the, the, the crypto now? We had a good time. I think he has like a newfound appreciation for like the work of reporting, which requires a lot of like mindlessly walking around and talking to strangers. And that can get very tiring in the hot sun of Miami. Uh, I think he was... He really liked talking to people. He loved talking to like the vendors. He loved like asking people about like what are you like the mining rigs they were building or things like that. He really didn't like so my dad is like fairly conservative, but he did not like the libertarians. He saw a couple guys walking around with like guns on their shirts and like 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 defend Bitcoin shirts. And he was mad about that. He didn't like the macho vibe, he called it, which was his sort of term for like calling each other apes or donks. Like he didn't like that stuff. Um, and then he – oh, this was my favorite thing, which is that he met a libertarian YouTuber. And the libertarian YouTuber was talking to him for a while. And then afterwards he was like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. The, guy, the kid was like talking like about Ben Shapiro and stuff and like rambling like kind of like a maniac. And uh, my dad afterwards was like, that guy's weird. And I was like, right. okay, great. Awesome. Yes. You should think he's weird. Good. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to, welcome to the world of Bitcoin, dad. Yeah. Uh, what did, did he have any change in his view on actually investing in Bitcoin? Well, he's still very excited about it. Um, he, he definitely has like ideas for what he wants to do with it. And he's very interested in sort of like experimenting with more things to do. Like he's very he's been doing a lot of research on uh, Bitcoin cashback credit cards, stuff like that. Um, but he definitely, I think, has a newfound res like understanding of 
the uh, the pyramid nature of of the culture. I think he 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 definitely gets that like it's not because he would be listening to people talk. You know, we'd bump into people at bars or whatever, or like we'd be just having these conversations with people around the city, and afterwards he'd be like what they're saying doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Like, okay. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. And that moment happened a few times for him. So I think that once again, like, you know, one of the best cures for like being wrapped up in an internet thing is like just seeing it in person. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a great point. That extends to everything. Uh, you know, and it's good that he came away with that and didn't like, you know, it's not like you know, after the event, he was like, you know, son, I, uh, I have to say, a climate change is uh, no more thanks to Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there, there's like broader, pro, there's broader stuff that like I like. I, I, it's, it definitely allowed us to like talk more openly about it and sort of like how it works and how people see it. And I think that like, it's good to keep doing that because, so. I sort of feel like the the five years of the Trump presidency like created this like very rigid framework for a lot of people in America where it's like there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And 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 the problem with Bitcoin is that like, yes, there's a lot of bad stuff about it, like probably more bad stuff about it than good stuff, but it doesn't really fit neatly within that framework. Like I'm I'm sort of waiting for a group of like hardcore socialists to be like, we're gonna run our commune on crypto. Like I, I sort of think that like there's stuff like that around the corner. And so I think that like it's worth having like more nuanced conversations about it because like it, it, it's interesting also. Right. Uh, but there's just like I think there's a lot more normal people involved with this stuff than I assumed going into this. Right. Yeah. No, I know. I definitely I, I definitely have seen that myself, especially post, um, you know, uh, pandemic. Uh, well, what am I saying? Post beginning of the pandemic. Right. Not, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I knew about Bitcoin very early on and, uh, I saw it at that time for what it was and my interest in it was for what it was at the time. And that was strictly this vehicle for hardcore ideological libertarians yeah. to push their beliefs. Um, and then, you know, after a few years of that, I sort of fell out of, um, you know, it was always in the background, but sort of fell out of like following it. So, uh, you know, so regularly and then it came back on my radar as the rest of the world started to buy into it as more of an investment vehicle than um, than the ideological bent. Yeah, and like I can't believe I'm saying this, but like I agree with Jordan B. Peterson that like if it does succeed, it'll be like the most terrifying thing that's ever happened. <laughs> like, and I think that like there's definitely a group of people at the center of this community that are they're trying to change the world in the most fundamental way that we could imagine, and like. I, yeah, I, I came away just like really freaked out by those people. Like the Bitcoin maxis like scare the shit out right. of me. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a very um, you know dystopian um, future that could like if if they got their way would would happen. But another thing I always think of is like they don't consider the fact that the the future of Bitcoin winning is just literally the same exact thing as it is now because. Who's going to be the big winners? And sure, there'll be a few new people with billions of dollars. But in the end, it's mostly going to be people who are already rich and wealthy and powerful who, you know, doesn't matter when they bought in because they're so rich and wealthy that they could have bought as much as they'd like, uh, who would end up also being the feudal lords over Bitcoin. Like, it's not really going to change those in power like they think it is. You know, they always win. The, the, you know, those people always win. That's just how it works. So, you know, I feel like either of those scenarios sucks, um, but I don't think they're considering the one I just mentioned, which is honestly, in my opinion, the more realistic one. I mean, the thing that I, I say every single chance I get because I, I want I want to nail it into people's brains, which is 0.01% of Bitcoin owners own 30% of the Bitcoin that exists. Right. So that, we're not even talking about the 1%. We're talking about the 0.01%. Like, and, and that is only getting worse as more institutions buy it. Like, it, it, like maybe three years ago, you could do technical analysis on a Bitcoin chart and be like, okay, like this Twitter hashtag blew up and now like it's trading better. But now if you map it to like quarterly earnings reports for like Tesla, it, it's almost one-to-one. -one. Like that's all that's happening here is these companies are just using it to inflate their their bottom line. And, and, and it's going to not stop with companies. It's going to continue to the point where it's just countries doing it. Like there's going to be, you know – 
Turkey or or some like like Greece or or some like random country is going to be like, yep, we're we're all in on Bitcoin, and then other countries are going to do it, and then it's just going to be this thing that like replaces the current thing but it looks identical. Um, and there's going to be a few more weirdos on Twitter who are millionaires, you know? Right. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Now, there's there's one more thing I definitely want to touch on here with you, um, and that is from from my you know watching the Bitcoin 2022 conference from the outside online and monitoring what was going on, watching some of the streams. It seemed like the the Bitcoin um, community uh, does view two specific individuals as sort of like their heroes, and let's put. The anonymous Satoshi Nakamoto aside, he's obviously number one in their eyes, but people we actually know the identity of. And those two people seem to be uh, the founder of Silk Road, uh, Ross Ulbrich, and the president of El Salvador, uh, Bukele. Yeah, they love those guys. So the there were free Ross posters all over the convention. And when I first saw them, I was like, who's Ross? And also, why are dudes dressed like pirates handing out these flyers? They all had, like, ukuleles. It was really weird. They looked like a folk punk band. Um, <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, are, is, are you guys ramshackle glory? I don't know if that's, that's a deep cut folk punk No, I, I mean, I would have felt at home for a split second thinking yeah. they were a folk punk band. Honestly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, wow. Like, the, you, um, is this Defiance, Ohio? Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can just I can just rattle off folk punk band names for a while. Um, um, yeah. So there was that happening, and then at, so yeah, the last day of the con- the conference was a concert with like Steve Aoki and uh, Run the Jewels playing, and a bunch of like horrible DJs. And in between those sets were messages from Ross Ulbricht's mom, uh, basically begging the crowd to help him get out of jail because he's serving two life sentences for running the Silk Road. And then the other th- the other guy that they're obsessed with was Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, who made Bitcoin legal tender, which doesn't really mean anything. But and then he didn't show up because uh, he had things to do in his country, and he announced it like after people had already landed. I think he announced it like on the Wednesday, and he was supposed to present on like the Thursday or Friday. So people were kind of miffed about that. I just think that like uh, those two guys for them represent. Kind of, there is like a Bitcoin guy that all the other Bitcoin guys love. This like mavericky guy who's like probably breaking the law, but in a cool way. And like they love that kind of guy. And those two guys are examples of that kind of guy. Right. Yeah. For people who don't know, you know, again, these are both people who I'll be doing complete episodes, if not multiple episodes on, you know, Ross Albrecht basically ran, like you said, the Silk Road, which was it's that's really where like the idea that Bitcoin's main use is for, you know, uh, illegal paraphernalia like the drugs and such, uh, because that was its main use for quite a while. Um, and most of the stuff you could buy was on Silk Road. And while, you know, I think uh, two life sentences are uh, quite a lot, and I, you know, I agree with them on that aspect. Quite a lot for someone who's just running this like illegal, like drug black market. Uh, people also leave out the aspect that Silk Road was also for like hiring hitmen, which uh, it's alleged that Ross Ulbricht was a part of himself. Like he yeah. allegedly uh, hired or attempted to hire hitmen himself to take out some of his enemies. Again, allegedly. Um, I don't think that was ever proven as uh, the, you know, that's not what got him the two life sentences, but, um, yeah, I, you know, w- interesting that they choose to have him as their, um, uh, you know, their, their, one of their heroes, but there's one moment that I saw a clip of that really sort of, I'm not sure if you've, you've seen it or if you were to even, maybe you saw it live that really sort of wrapped up exactly how, you know, Bitcoin maxis view all this. And that is there is a moment where Max Kaiser, the um, the he's how do I describe Max Kaiser? All right. He's this radical libertarian, longtime libertarian, almost like, you know, the Alex Jones of the finance world. Almost. Yeah. Um, He had a show on Russia today. Him and his wife have a show on Sputnik, both uh, Russian state run uh, media outlets. Um, and so he comes out on to do a panel and he comes out holding, uh, did you see this? If you saw this, maybe it's better for you to tell us. Yeah, I was there. I was there for that. Go um, ahead. so that was the event that Portnoy was supposed to be at. 
So everyone was pissed that Portnoy wasn't showing up, and they were chanting, like, fuck you, Dave. And then Max Kaiser runs out on stage with uh, a Salvadoran flag and was basically just, like, screaming at the crowd to buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, go El Salvador, uh, chanting, like, Bukele's name. Uh, and then what was really funny is that, like, immediately after that, he sits down and he's like, all right, so let's talk about cancel culture. And, like, then just spent, like, a half hour talking about being banned on, like, people who shouldn't be banned on Twitter. Right. It was, like, it was just a very hilarious, like, summary of the entire vibe, which was just, like, we did it. We we can use Bitcoin at this one beach in El Salvador to buy a cheeseburger from McDonald's. All right. No one should be able to ban me from Twitter. Right. It was – yeah. In the video, there's one more very small moment that you might not have even noticed live um, from wherever you were in the, you know, the auditorium. And, and it really, like you said, it sort of wraps up the whole conference. And this really drives it home. After he's chanting Bukele's name and telling him to buy Bitcoin, right before he goes to sit down, he literally just scrunches up the El Salvadorian flag and <laughs> tosses it on the floor. Bukele! Bukele! Kelly! <laughs> right on. How's everybody doing? Woo! Have you been sufficiently orange-pilled? Yeah, he does. I mean, this is... I mean, for people who... I mean, I've mentioned on the show, haven't done the El Salvador episode uh, or episodes really yet, but uh, Bitcoin is basically uh, an official currency in El Salvador, and Bitcoin Maxis view El Salvador as like the ultimate test case like el salvador is ahead of everybody else and they all love el salvador they're all flying there to be tourists and and uh try to promote bitcoin there and they're using the el salvadorian people who have massively protested against this because it hasn't helped the people there at all in fact uh talking to some if you read some of the reports of from reporters who've talked with the locals there it's actually been a, a net negative for them to have bitcoin uh, as this uh, oh, yeah. local currency, um, and here they are, you know, just, just, you know, they they're happy that their president is a fellow Bitcoin maxi, using the El Salvadorian name, the flag, and the people to promote Bitcoin. And once they're done doing that, they'll just take that flag, take those people, and toss them aside. Yeah, uh, it it became almost like uh, an obligatory thing at every talk where they'd be like. And let's hear it for El Salvador, El Zante. And then everyone would clap because you, you know, you might not imagine this, but uh, Bitcoin uh, panels are really awkward and no one on stage knows how to talk to a room full of people. So when it would get really uh, uncomfortable, they would just chant El Zante so that people could have something to cheer about. Uh, so, yeah, they're very excited. They see this as a massive win and they want to create El Zantes all over the world. Bitcoin beaches in every country, uh, which is a horrifying idea. But Right. And the Bitcoin beaches, I, again, I feel like we <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to extend this for another couple of hours, but it is amazing to see this basically this this world created inside El Salvador that's basically just all outside companies using this town to promote Bitcoin and like the local people there just don't really want to deal with it I mean unless they're like inside like unless they're unless they're taking part in like unless their business is to sell to tourists where then they use Bitcoin to take money they don't want anything to do with it it's it's, it's crazy it's crazy yeah it is crazy and it's it's uh, it's very funny and very sad at the same time, like most things with Bitcoin. Um, and I, I, I should probably like before we end, I should probably just say that, like, from what I can gather, this conference was not seen as a success. Uh, some fairly big names in the crypto Twitter space sort of said, like, this was kind of a bummer or this like didn't really this wasn't as I think there was this assumption that this was going to be like this massive thing. That's why uh, Suarez, Mayor Suarez, put in that giant bull, the the crypto bull in front of the convention center. There was this idea that this was going to be after 2021 and the bull market, we're going to have a great 2022. And it's not working that way because they're not a po like they're it's really weird, actually, where they're. They think they're a populist movement and they act like a populist movement, but they're no longer a populist movement. And so every time they try to like rally together to do something like kind of viral, it falls in its face. And I think that like this was a really good example of how the Bitcoin community has never had to worry about being a community 
But then while they were sort of like farting around on Twitter for the last five years, a bunch of institutions co-opted their whole thing, bought all the Bitcoin, and now they can't control their own market anymore. And I think that's like really fascinating. It would be it would be like as if like in Zuccotti Park, every Occupy Wall Street person was slowly one by one replaced with like someone from a Wall Street like hedge fund, and then nobody noticed. <laughs> like that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, I I can't think of a better way to uh, to put a cap on this episode. Ryan Broderick, publisher of the Garbage Day newsletter, thank you so much for joining me today and really bringing us. Uh, on this journey with you to the beaches of Miami, <laughs> where we got to experience the Bitcoin 2022 conference vicariously through you. Where can people find you online so they can continue to live vicariously through you? <laughs> so you can you can obviously uh, read my newsletter, garbageday.email, but I have also a very unfortunate Twitter feed, which you can find it at Broderick, and I'm on there all day. Um, DMs are open. So if you want to shoot the shits shoot me shoot me a message uh yeah awesome take care thanks for joining me have a great night thank you and there you have it folks take off those sunglasses don't apply any more sunscreen it's time to come back down to reality after i just brought you to the utopian world of bitcoin 2022 in miami florida that sure was something. Folks, if you'd like to support this show, keep it going. Help me create more content. Bring some people on board so I can work on even more projects, more episodes, more content creation for all of you. Go to patreon.com and sign up. Become a patron. Support this show. I only ask for $5 a month. You can give a little bit more. You can give a little bit less. It's totally up to you. $5 just the suggested donation. And it helps me keep everything running. And like I said, hopefully even more as more patrons come on board. Other ways you could support this show is go to youtube.com slash Matt Binder and subscribe to the channel. If you're not already watching this episode there, be sure to go there and catch the Scam Economy live hotline post show as well, which airs live directly after the episode airs. But you could catch the replay too. Uh, you could also support this show by going to twitch.tv slash mapbinder and following the Twitch channel. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, for no extra cost to you, you can basically extract money from Amazon. And give it to me. It's a win, win, win. Just connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. You will be gifted one free Twitch Prime subscription a month, which again is a paid subscription. They are comping you one each month to give to your favorite streamer. Hopefully that's me. And uh, that's how you can give me money at no cost to your pocket. Remember, though, uh, you have to resubscribe every month manually. Uh, one of the ways they get you is there's no automatic renewal. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Binder. Follow the show on Twitter at Scam Economy. ScamEconomy.com for all the links to where you can listen to this show as a podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. If the show is not already on your favorite podcast platform, don't worry. I'm working on it. I'll get it on there for you. And of course, I'm going to ask you guys once again to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. It's super simple. Just literally go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, type in Scam Economy when it pops up. Click the little star button, leave your review, and it's that simple. And with all that said, I'll leave you guys feeling like the rays of that Florida sun are still shining upon your Bitcoin conference consuming body, I guess. All right, everyone, I'll see you next time on The Scam Economy. Scam Economy.